Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Every Town is being sponsored by our good friends over at the Deadbolt Mystery Society, who have an amazing monthly subscription box service that if you guys are fans of true crime and unsolved mysteries, you need to check out. I'm a huge fan of the Deadbolt Mystery Society, so I couldn't be happier to have them as our sponsor. Their boxes will have you playing the role of detective as you track down missing persons, crack the case on an unidentified body, or are hunting down a serial killer before it's too late. Right now, I'm knee-deep in solving their box simply titled Duel. This one has me tracking down a sinister group that calls themselves The Scourge, who are planning on having two of their members partake in a twisted contest that has them murdering six people. Inside the box are all sorts of clues and pieces of evidence, and one of the best things about these boxes are the QR codes you scan that show you additional videos, audio recordings, evidence, and photos. The reviews are in from people all around the world, and the Deadbolt Mystery Society has 4.9 out of 5 stars, according to over 260 independent reviews. Right now, they're offering 20% off your order when you use the code DEADBOLT20. So go to DeadboltMysterySociety.com and use the code DEADBOLT20 to get 20% off and become part of the Deadbolt Mystery Society today. Every town has a dark side. Today we head to Alden, Kansas, where we learn about the shocking twist in the cold case of Megan Fogelsong's disappearance. For many Americans, this is a difficult fact to grapple with. The National Missing and Unidentified Person System states that more than 600,000 individuals go missing in the United States every year, leaving their loved ones in deep despair. On the bright side, many of the children and adults who vanished are swiftly found alive and well, but 4,400 unidentified bodies are recovered each year. 
The rest, which number in the tens of thousands, however, remain missing for more than a year, and they become cold cases. The fate of Megan Fogelsong make her part of these statistics since she went missing in December of 2015 in Kansas. No one has been arrested or charged, and interest in Megan's case was only reinvigorated recently when one person died, the only suspect in her unresolved mysterious disappearance. I'm Andrew, and this is Everytown. In this week's episode, the spotlight is focused on the free-spirited 21-year-old Megan Fogelsong, whose 2015 disappearance rattled the less than 150 residents of Alden, a tiny town in Rice County, Kansas. Despite some search investigations, her case was tossed into a basket of cold cases of missing individuals. Thus, interest in Megan's case dwindled. In 2019, Megan's 37-year-old lover, David Madden, had a run-in with authorities that nearly captured him. For years, David was a person of interest and later a suspect in Megan's vanishing. But before an established connection could link him to Megan's case, a shocking twist in the story unfolded. Has the town of Alden's missing persons case reached a dead end? Or is Megan Fogelsong, true to herself, just drifting as a free spirit somewhere? Megan was born on January 20, 1994, and is originally from Oneida in Knox County, Illinois, where she spent most of her life. Her parents separated when she was just nine years old, so Megan has grown close with her stepmother, Dawn Fogelsong, who helped her father in raising her. Megan spent a lot of her time with family and friends out on the softball field, which qualified her as a pitcher of her high school alma mater softball team. In 2012, she graduated from Rova High School in Oneida, and soon thereafter, she went to Alden, Kansas to fulfill her desire of reuniting with her biological mother, Pam Lewis. At 18, Megan had grown into a pretty young girl with blonde hair, which she occasionally dyed, and a beautiful pair of green eyes, which contact lenses or eyeglasses would at times conceal. She stood around 5 feet 4 inches tall and weighed around 150 pounds, and it was Megan's winsome personality that drew people to her. She was full of life, energetic, was pretty happy-go-lucky, said friend Aaron Bagby. What made Megan distinctive, too, was her panache for tattoos. Her left hip has a tattoo of a flower design, while her left wrist is adorned with black-inked hearts linked together in the words thick and thin. A tattoo of a dream catcher is permanently visible on the outside of her left calf, 
while an infinity symbol is forever tattooed on the right side of her upper chest. The adventurous Megan also had her belly button and tongue pierced, aside from the multiple piercings on her earlobes and cartilage. Certainly, there were guys who were attracted to her, but her friends couldn't just fathom why she fell for her much older man. David Madden, a former Marine, was 14 years older than Megan. While depending on who you're talking to, that could be perfectly acceptable. What left a bad taste in the mouths of Megan's friends was that David used to date Pam, Megan's biological mom. Despite this, Megan and David had an on-and-off relationship, which her friends said was beset with problems concerning physical and emotional abuse. In fact, Megan had mentioned to a couple of her friends that if ever she disappeared, David would probably be the one who did it. And it wasn't a far-fetched idea. Long before Megan met David, the ex-Marine's criminal record included three convictions of battery in 2007. The red flags were clearly there, but Megan seemed so blindly in love that she simply didn't see them or refused to acknowledge them. Furthermore, her friends admitted that Megan's chaotic relationship with David developed personal problems for her, and she started using methamphetamine while living with him in Alden. The first alarming public record of Megan and David's abusive relationship was a frantic 911 call placed by Kelly Starnes, David's friend in December of 2014. He reported that David had kidnapped Megan from his home in Barton County, about 32 miles away from Alden. In that particular 911 recording, Kelly anxiously told a dispatcher this information about his pal David. He has threatened to put her in a straitjacket. He has thrown her in a closet. He has threatened to kill her. He added, he is a loose cannon. He is ex-military. He hates the government and he hates cops. The last line seemed foreboding of what was to happen five years later, but that's fast-forwarding the story a bit. After Kelly's 911 call, the law enforcement in Rice County, where David resided, found Megan in her boyfriend's home. She told police that David didn't abduct her and that she was fine. Whether that's true or not, we may never know, but Megan's pronouncement didn't give the authorities a reason to pursue the investigation. The young woman then took a breather, returning to Oneida, Illinois in late 2014. She spent several months with her father and stepmother, who were delighted to have her back with them. Interestingly, while in her hometown, Megan wrote Kelly a message saying, Thank you again, and I'm so sorry too. Never again. But apparently she never learned her lesson well. In the summer of 2015, Megan was back in Alden and back in the arms of David. This wasn't the first time that they had broken up and then gotten back together again. Little did Megan know, though, that getting back together with David this time would be the last go-around. Her stepmom, Dawn, kept telling Megan, 
It is just going to get worse. It's not going to get better, but to no avail. The concerned stepmother would keep in touch with her stepdaughter from time to time. Don recalled talking to Megan for the last time on November 25, 2015, a day before Thanksgiving. She said Megan told her that David would be released from jail that day after his arrest for driving with a suspended license. Don only felt relieved after learning that Megan had decided to leave David because she was frightened and she was safe in the company of her friends. Well, the proverbial story of Megan reconciling with David happened again a few days later. On November 30th, Megan replied to a friend's Facebook message that she was back at David's house. It turned out to be her last activity ever on Facebook. The following day, on December 1st, David told the local sheriff that he had caught Megan stealing from him, which triggered an argument between the two. He then said that Megan had left. Almost a week later, one of her friends received a text message from the troubled young woman saying, I'm fine but the friend was not sure if it was indeed sent by Megan herself. Hello? Another pal of Megan's revealed that she received a call from her asking if she could pick up Megan, who was walking along a rural road while soaked in the rain. Unfortunately, though, the friend was not able to help her. Megan was reportedly seen on Christmas Day of 2015 at Guy's Liquor Store in Larned, Pawee County, about 49 miles away from Alden. Then nothing was heard again from Megan, the outgoing lady known for her spontaneous and adventurous ways. But she had not been previously gone for a prolonged period of time without contacting her family and friends. Megan's 22nd birthday on January 20th, 2016 had passed without a word from her at all. This caused Dawn to feel sick about the situation, which she said didn't seem right. She left Onita for Alden and asked around about Megan and David. With much surprise and trepidation, Dawn learned from the people in Alden that her stepdaughter's boyfriend was bad news and that he murked her, which meant David had murdered Megan. It wasn't only Dawn who was worried about Megan. Kelly, David's friend from the neighboring Barton County, also had a growing concern. And who wouldn't be after hearing David say, no one will ever have to worry about her again. Kelly also witnessed in 2014 how David kidnapped and hurt Megan, who was in his Barton County home at the time. Two months after Megan's sighting in late December of 2015, she was finally reported missing on February 10, 2016. Dawn had asked the Rice County Sheriff's Office to conduct welfare checks at David's home in Alden. She said, I believe he did something to her. I don't know exactly what how or when. And what about Megan's real mother, Pam Lewis, who was the reason why Megan wanted to relocate to Alden in the first place in order for them to be reunited? 
She had been told that Megan left for Colorado with David's unnamed friend, whom she believed was the one responsible for her daughter's disappearance. Pam thought the man she once dated, who years later became her daughter's boyfriend, had nothing to do with Megan's case, but law enforcement believed otherwise. There have been six large searches and some small ones too with regards to Megan's whereabouts. They were led by the Rice County Sheriff's Deputy, Brian Trester. The search efforts, though, yielded no trace of Megan. Trester confirmed on July 29, 2016, that foul play was suspected in the strange disappearance of Megan. Her family and friends in both her hometown in Illinois and in Kansas actively assisted law enforcement, utilizing social media and other outlets to look for clues to her disappearance. A Facebook page called Bring Megan Home was frequently updated with hopeful posts and requests for information. Both the sheriff's office and the KBI followed all leads that came to their attention regarding the case. The KBI identified David as a suspect in Megan's disappearance, and in February of 2017, they issued a search warrant of his house in Alden as part of their investigation. In Oneida, Illinois, the development in the case made Don anxious for more information and answers about Megan's plight. She said, The only thing I care about right now is just finding her. No matter what has happened, just so we know, and we aren't spending the rest of our lives wondering what happened. At that point, no arrests have been made, nor criminal charges filed regarding Megan's case. But the succeeding events provided unexpected twists that exposed further the callousness of David. Perhaps in his attempt to avoid the search warrant executed by the KBI in February, David led the police on a high-speed chase through Rice County and Barton County that ended in a standoff. He was arrested later that day. As a consequence, he was sentenced to probation on state charges of attempting to elude a law enforcement officer and aggravated assault in August of that same year. However, David violated his probation. Since he was still living in his 65-year-old father Tom Madden's house in Alden, the older Madden complied with the search warrant. When authorities executed the search after that seemingly cinematic car chase, they discovered two wooden crates containing 24 metal pipe bombs, each wrapped with wire and black tape, two live military ordnance projectiles, 12 containers of smokeless powder, a railroad torpedo, a 45 caliber pistol, and an AK-47 assault rifle that had been stashed under his bed. David told police he'd been making and setting off pipe bombs for fun since he was a child. He said he found the AK-47 in Iraq while serving there in the Marines and brought it back to the U.S. It took a couple of years before he was indicted in April of 2019 on one count of illegal possession of a machine gun, and it was not clear why there was a delay in the filing of the federal charges. After his string of run-ins with the law, 
You might think David had grown weary of getting slapped with charge after charge, but he didn't. Later that April, he pulled off his greatest criminal stunt ever that culminated fatally. Following the federal firearm charge hurled against David, Kansas authorities were on the go to locate and arrest him. We've been making contact with the uh, other half here this morning's assault complaint. At around 5.10 p.m. on April 29, 2019, Rice County Undersheriff Chad Murphy attempted to stop the car containing David near the Sonic Restaurant just north of the Sterling City limits. Within 30 seconds of initiating the car stop, David got out of the car and fired four gunshots at Murphy, who still managed to call the dispatch about his predicament. The emergency medical services swiftly responded, and Murphy was airlifted to Wesley Hospital in Wichita, where he was in critical but stable condition. Witnesses said David was accompanied by a woman and a child in the car, and right after shooting the undersheriff, David fled the area and drove to his father's house to retrieve guns and ammunition. But it was here that an unexpectedly horrendous turn took place. David shot his own father dead. The crime was likely driven by David's anger and frustration towards his father, who allowed the search in their house, leading to his federal firearm charge. Investigations also showed that before Rice County Sheriff Vins and a deputy arrived at the scene by 5.40 p.m., the woman with the child had left. The indicted criminal then engaged in an exchange of gunshots that left Sheriff Evans suffering from a gunshot wound to his leg. He called for assistance and additional law enforcement agencies responded. They first attempted to safely determine the suspect's location in the home. The Madden residence was surrounded by the authorities who established a perimeter. Sheriff Evans was likewise transported to the Wichita Hospital and remained in good condition. A standoff ensued, and by 11.30 that night, a Kansas Highway Patrol SWAT team forced entry into the Madden's house. Then, the most shocking twist to this story unfolded. At approximately 12.10 a.m. on April 30th, authorities located the body of David. The dead body of his father was found next. It is suspected that David died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The unidentified woman spotted with David in the car was his girlfriend, Erin Baker, and she was also held accountable by the authorities. Five months after the deaths of David and his father, Tom, the 27-year-old Aaron was arrested by authorities on September 18th in Barton County. The KBI said Aaron was suspected of interference with a law enforcement officer, aggravated child endangerment, and obstruction of apprehension. She placed her seven-year-old child in danger by pursuing her relationship with David, whom she knew was a convicted felon in possession of firearms and ammunitions. Moreover, Erin allowed her child to witness David's shooting of Undersheriff Chad Murphy during that traffic stop. 
From Erin's account, she was the one driving the car when it was stopped by Murphy. In the passenger seat was David, who had a gun on his lap. He started shooting when the law enforcement officer approached the car. Erin said she was then ordered by David to drive to his father's house. The moment she dropped off David, Erin and her child sped off. But what she had done put her in trouble, as the KBI said she obstructed the investigation by leaving the scene and not attempting to contact authorities. The death of David gave rise for Megan Fogelsong's family, friends, and the Alden and Onida communities to raise more questions as to what really happened to her. Despite being identified as a person of interest in Megan's disappearance, David was never charged nor arrested. Megan's family fears that authorities may not ever find a really good lead, and Megan's disappearance will still remain a cold case. Jenny Fogelsong, Megan's sister, is worried that they may never know the truth. She said, Half of that I felt bad because that might be the only person that knows what happened to her. I would just like to know what happened and if they can find her. On the other hand, Megan's stepmom, Dawn, remains positive. I just hope that somebody will speak up now because they shouldn't be afraid to anymore and we're not going to stop looking ever. The only thing I want is to find Megan. Megan's stepmom, Dawn, remains positive and says, After four years, it's not clear and definite where the investigation of Megan's disappearance is heading to. But according to KBI spokeswoman Melissa Underwood, the case is being actively investigated. We can just collectively wish that the same was true when the primary suspect was still alive. However, records show that David Madden was only charged with unrelated crimes, but was not thoroughly investigated about Megan's disappearance. He was the victim's boyfriend and the last person she was with before she vanished. Yet David evaded the clutches of law and even committed more crimes. In June of 2016, Ellenwood Police Chief Chance Bailey wrote this in a memo after David ran through a residential area and removed a gun from him. It is my concern Madden is paranoid and possibly preparing himself for a confrontation with law enforcement officers if he is charged in the disappearance of Fogelsong. David most certainly knew that if he got caught in the April 2019 bloody confrontation he had with the authorities, it would lead to an investigation not only of his father's death, but also of Megan's disappearance. Desperate and desolate, Killing himself was probably David's only way out from a deadly trap. In return, his death greatly denied Megan Fogelsong's family the truth of her mysterious disappearance, leaving them desperate and desolate as well. So that's it for this week's episode of Every Town. If you're interested in hearing more creepy stories that are currently happening in our world, then make sure to check out our Scary Mysteries podcast and YouTube channel, where each week we cover topical stories in our Twisted News segment, and every month we have the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month, and those are all about what's happening right now all around us. 
Please subscribe and email us at info at newdawnfilm.com to let us know if you have any stories you'd like us to cover. And tune in next week for another episode filled with scary, strange, and mysterious stories about every town out there. And who knows, maybe your town will be next. Next.